You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it ends! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of Two and Out. Sheldon Jones and Travis Kura, as we are in the midst of... We'll just say playoffs all across Canada when it comes to football. So we've got a lot to get to first. It was announced a couple days, actually just the day after uh, we uh, uh, released last week's semifinal preview. It does appear that Kahari Jones will be out in Ottawa. It's kind of a tough stretch in his coaching career. He was highly thought of uh, coming out of Montreal. Everybody thought he was kind of done dirty in Montreal, the way that uh, Danny Machocha got himself in there last season and uh, got his guy in Jason Moss this year. Look, it's it's worked out for Montreal so far. Yeah. But uh, Kahari Jones is uh, looking for a gig again when it comes to coaching football. Sheldon? Yeah, um, I think... I think he's actually a really good offensive coordinator. So I think he's obviously just a scapegoat in Ottawa for right now. Uh, they obviously aren't going to move on from Dice because he still has two years left on his deal with this stupid ops cap penalty. So, um, <laughs> like, I think that if you look last year in in Saskatchewan, they scapegoated a coach, and then that coach went on to have a pretty good year this year. So, um that could happen here again, uh, but they had to do something. The Ottawa needed something for their fan base to see that changes are happening, whether this is enough. So far, it doesn't look like it to a lot of fans, at least that I see on social media. Um, but I think he's a really good offensive coordinator. I just, And I think he was a good head coach in Montreal, but he he was very much a player's coach and they had discipline issues. That's one thing that you can say uh, that when Smichocha took over, that kind of seemed to stop and they went on to have a lot of success this year. So hopefully he can bounce back on his feet. Like I said, the CFL does like to, they like to recycle coaches quite a bit. So I'm sure if, uh, if the riders hire an offense, a previous offensive coordinator, then maybe Kahari Jones could be a front runner there. Maybe even he's a front runner for whoever the Riders hire as a head coach to come here as a head co- or as an offensive coordinator. So I'm sure his coaching future is still bright. Uh, he just might have to wait a little bit here. Yeah, there could be some shuffling. You know, you don't know what Jordan Maximic if he's going to get an opportunity to go to BC, and then that would uh, hey Kahari and VA reuniting. Buck Pierce, maybe oh, there's lots of rumors in Winnipeg yeah. that maybe O'Shea moves to the GM chair. Maybe Buck Pierce gets the head coaching position, which would prevent anybody else from poaching him out of their organization. There could be a yeah. lot of interesting stuff happening uh, this off season. 
Uh, a note out of Calgary, it looks like longtime fullback Charlie Power is going to be retiring. And it does appear that Rene Paredes is going to return, continue to build on that legacy, an all-time great when it comes to kicking in the CFL. And this is important. Uh, a note from last week, Chris Edwards has been suspended for three games. Uh they're calling it uh, for striking opponents and for his part in inciting a non-football altercation in the East semifinal between the Ticats and the Alouettes. And also seven players have been fined for that. Uh, it looks like anybody that left the bench, I'm seeing, they got fined, which... You know, that that's to be expected. But three games, is that uh, fair in your eyes, Sheldon? Uh, not really. Uh, I don't know if any team are going to actually sign him, so I don't know if he's going to ever actually, yeah. like, have to sit out these three games. But honestly, I think a, I think a bigger message needed to be sent, uh, if, if you're asking me honestly here. I think Randy Ambrosi needed to come out with a statement saying, listen, I will not accept a Chris Edwards contract until he can show that he's gone through some, at least anger management or something like that. Because if I'm not mistaken, I, I think they did that for Kyrie Zibair uh, once he got his final, his final suspension. Maybe, I, maybe he did that with Marino though. He said he wasn't going to register a contact for so, Marino, yeah. I believe. So I think, I think this is something that should have happened, um, but I, I'm just hopeful that no team sign him because he's he's just showing that it's a consistent problem that he has with anger management or something like that, and it's it's just not a good look for the league for players to repeatedly get allowed to have opportunities to do that. A lot of great comments on the show on uh, YouTube from our semifinal recap and uh, some Hamilton fans kind of, uh, you know, uh, unpacking what has happened this season. Uh, Jeff uh, leaving a comment saying, Coach O has had a horrendous season of de decision-making. Uh, says he won't be upset to see him go. They can't let Milanovic walk out the door and go coach Saskatchewan to a Grey Cup. Uh, he adds that the way that the Ticats handled the quarterbacks in the game was horrible. It was very clear that Schiltz was struggling through the first half. Bo should have started the second half when the game was still within reach. To put him in down two scores with six minutes left, that's just insulting. And I don't blame him one bit for, for being choked about the situation. They started the wrong guy and waited too long to put Bo in. Uh, Bill, uh, Ticats fan, I think, uh, with the same sort of note. And he says, uh, who should get the blame for the lack of action to Tim White, the head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, or Tim White himself uh, still unpacking what happened in that East semifinal for the Ticats. Uh, and thank you for continuing to listen to Two and Out, engage with the show on YouTube, and download the show this week. We just crossed 300,000 all-time downloads. That's that's pretty cool, and it makes me feel pretty good. And that there are more than four or five people that uh, listen to Do and Out. So uh, thanks so much for engaging with the show. And I want to thank uh, Jenny on YouTube for uh, reminding.
reminding us the Canadian Bowl is going to be happening this weekend, the championship game for Canadian junior football. The Saskatoon Hilltops taking on the West Shore Rebels just outside of Victoria, B.C. Both teams undefeated. It's the oldest championship in Canadian football. It's the 115th edition of the game. That's going to be quite the battle coming up here on Saturday on Vancouver Island. Quite the battle. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think a lot of the players from uh, Simon Fraser University are on that team because of their okay, football okay. program being, you know, whatever it was. Uh, so it, it's not a not a big surprise that they're crushing it out there with yeah. having those big university boys. Uh, but Saskatoon's always been uh, yeah. them and them and the Regina Thunder kind of always seem to come out of the PFC. So uh, they're obviously a good team year in year out. I will say one other thing about YouTube is when you when you watch our YouTube show, you get to see this man's face. Like, look at him today. He's looking nice. Like, everyone needs to view on YouTube. Ring the bell. Get those subscriptions up so you can see this guy. Look at that. What a nice smile. <laughs> look at Not you making me, me blush. <laughs> what I'm here for. Hey, I like your style, like that well-trimmed beard. Mine is usually, this is about as nice as it'll look uh, for a few weeks, and then it'll uh, grow out, and I'll look like, uh, I guess, Mick Foley again. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I could have a beard like that, I would. It just uh, doesn't, restaurant manager, I can't really have it as long. Like, this is actually probably too long for my current job. But I get yeah, that. I, I made some freshly baked buns over the weekend, and... Uh, my wife Taylor found a nice beard hair embedded in one of her buns. So nice. <laughs> That's just extra flavor right there. <laughs> That's I, the home kitchen. So. Yeah. Oh well. And full this like when I, I we have three animals in our house here, so anytime food is made, there's hair in it from yeah. something. Because and I cook exclusively everywhere. shirtless. So yeah, that's a hack. That is a hack. <laughs> I've even gotten okay cooking bacon shirtless. I don't know if that makes me uh, dumb or tough or both, but <laughs> I mean, if you cooked it the right way, you would, it wouldn't matter. Because are you the saying the to... oven? It's not the yes, right way, brother. It's per it makes it perfect, sir. Perfect. So here's what I did for breakfast. I shredded some potatoes. I squeezed out the juice with the cheesecloth. I cooked the bacon in the cast iron pan. And then I cooked the shredded potatoes in that cast iron pan with the bacon grease. So I'm sorry. If you just bake the bacon, I'm not going to just... Uh, I don't know. Do you think the grease just evaporates? Because it's still there. And then you just use it for when you start cooking your that eggs just and, your, and your potatoes. That sounds more annoying. Honestly. <laughs> but you have this nice, flat, delicious-looking bacon that just... I like my bacon really like rare. <laughs> <laughs> I am full-on caveman. If you ever go to Chicken Wings, go out for wings with me, there's nothing left on that bone. My dad used to joke, like, if, my, if I lived in the bush with the bears, the bears would starve. <laughs> <laughs> there'd be nothing left for them <laughs> well we could talk about food all day but maybe we'll get back to the show here it's nice to I love me some Brazilian Thai but I can only talk about chicken nuggets and coke for so long here there's some nuance and some 
adult perspectives. <laughs> and Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a non-starter, at. brother. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's lots of U-sports football, obviously, to take in as well. The AUS final has Bishops against St. FX, Laurier and Western in the Yates Cup. The classic rivalry, uh, no surprise, Montreal and Laval in the Dunsmore Cup. And U of A versus UBC in the Hardy Cup. What a great year for U of A. They crushed the Huskies over the weekend. It was the first time there was playoff football at Foot Field since 2005. Wow. So it's been some lean years there and uh, a big game for them against the Thunderbirds. We also have the East and West final in the Canadian Football League. Sheldon, we can confidently say around 55,000 people are going to be out to CFL football games this weekend. Whichever way you look at it, that is awesome. Over 23,000 tickets sold to the East final at BMO Field. The Trues, a great live Canadian band set to play. It is Remembrance Day, so I do wonder maybe they're going to be playing the Highway of Heroes song that they came out with a few years ago. Which uh, I love that song. It's a beautiful tune, man, and it's... uh, it's a tearjerker for sure. I, I, yeah. I just love that they they came up with that song. I don't know if they'll be playing it at BMO, but uh, either way, it looks like it's going to be a great atmosphere there. A place where the Argos are undefeated in 2023, Sheldon. Yeah. Uh, like we we talked about last week, how it's gonna be it was it was gonna be hard for Montreal to be able to beat Hamilton, you know, four times in a row and now we see that Toronto has that same opportunity here. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit easier for Toronto than it was last week. Well, maybe not. I, I think this is a Toronto game. I, I, I don't, I don't know if Montreal stands much of a chance here. The DAC is stacked against them. Uh, Toronto's yeah. undefeated against the East. They're undefeated at home. The, they're favorites by 10 and a half points. And like you said, they beat the Alouettes three times here. And these two teams played back-to-back in September. And the Owls, they only lost by a field goal the last time. But I think at that time also the Argos had first locked up. And maybe this is a different Argos team we're going to be seeing because for the third year in a row, (laughs) Andrew Harris... He's going to be back for a division final (laughs) after missing games with injury, but coming in and they're going to have that dual rushing attack again between AJ Olette and Andrew Harris. And that's a big change with the Argos this year. Last year, they didn't have the rushing success consistently throughout the year. Well, this year, They're fourth in the league, over 2,000 rushing yards. So they did have consistent success running the ball. What blows my mind when I look at the tail of the tape, I put them together for these playoff games. The Argos are last in time of possession. And I think that just goes to show their big play ability. How many times have they taken over after a turnover or maybe even a big special teams play? (laughs) One play, seven points on the board for Toronto. That is the key for Montreal to stop 
the big play Argos, and that's tough. Yeah, that's what both of the visiting teams this week are going to actually have to do. Um, because I I don't have it in front of me, but I bet if you look at that least time of possession, Winnipeg is probably pretty close there because of their exclusive their explosive offense too. So um, our, our Bombers are actually first in time of possession. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess that makes sense because they grind it out with the run the, too. The but, run, yeah. 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 Um, but there's been a lot of times where, yeah, like Leak has gotten Toronto in excellent field position just because of the great year he's had too. So that helps. But Kelly is just explosive. He, he finds his receivers. He, they, they, Olette just can bounce off a 20 yard run. It seems every game he has a nice big run. Uh, so it, this, this Toronto offense is going up against this Montreal defense is going to be quite the matchup. I think to watch because Montreal is going to be flying around on, on defense because they're, they're the underdogs. So they're going to have that mentality. Jason Moss is going to get them ready. No one expects us to win, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I think they're going to come up fired up, but, I just don't know if they're going to be able to match what what Toronto's going to be able to give because I think Toronto has done a really good job of staggering how they've been resting their players so that they're not going to have too much rust on them. And as good of a year as Jason Moss has, and I know I've said on here that he should probably win coach of the year, Dinwiddie and his group are the best coaching group in the league, just I think game to game because of the consistency that they've had. So they're going to have the Argos ready. It's not going to be like they think that they're just going to walk all over Montreal as much as we may think that that might happen, or I might think that that might happen. Uh, I think, I think it's just going to be a heck of a game. It's tempting to put some money down on Montreal to cover the spread. That double digits is pretty, (laughs) pretty juicy. You know, that's pretty, that's pretty tempting. These are the top two teams in turnover ratio. Toronto's in a completely (laughs) other league when it comes to that. Yeah. 27, plus 27 in turnover ratio. So Montreal is pretty good at protecting the ball. It goes without saying you have to do that in the playoffs anyway. Mm-hmm. But Toronto's on another planet when it comes to making teams pay for turnovers. So they can't fumble. Montreal can't. They can't let Fajardo throw an interception. Uh, protecting the ball is paramount here. But I, I just feel like the way that... Montreal's defense seems to come into this game with a little bit of momentum. And uh, Chad Kelly can make mistakes. He's got double-digit interceptions. He's not invincible. And with Sean Lemon playing the way he is, Sankey playing the way he is, Beverett, Stubblefield, and uh, Marc-Antoine Ducroix at safety there, if they are able to force mistakes from Chad Kelly then Montreal absolutely needs to take advantage of those. And it's going to be tough because I I think Montreal, they need to have that big play from William Stanback. And a lot of times he doesn't really get going into the fourth. When they go to close out a game like he did against Hamilton, then he just smashes them. Toronto's first against the run. (laughs) So you need to... 
have success on first down and have success running the ball. If you look, Montreal is actually sixth in the league with converting second downs. Toronto is second. So they're pretty darn good at converting those second downs and staying into second and short situations. <laughs> Montreal, they, they, they're just one of those grinding teams, scrappy yeah. teams. They don't have as much explosive plays like Toronto does. But they just stay steady and consistent and don't turn the ball over. If I remember correctly, in September, Cote missed a few kicks against the Argos. That can't happen uh, here. Uh, One or two missed kicks and Montreal might be in deep, deep trouble. But like you said... I think all the pressure is on the Argos. Uh, Sixteen and two teams in the past. I, they haven't been able to close the season out. I, I saw there was a feature on CFL.ca talking talking to uh, Rough Riders from the 1989 team that beat the sixteen and two Edmonton team in the West Final. All the pressure is squarely on Chad Kelly's shoulders, but. He rose to the occasion in the Grey Cup last year in November, but it's all going to be how can they handle that pressure on their shoulders on Saturday? Yeah, um, he's been he's been pretty. Uh, he hasn't got too crazy with his emotions this year. It seems like he's he's been pretty even keel. You know, he has those those halftime uh, interviews and. He just always ends, let's go Argos. And like, he just, he's such a team guy. And I think that's going to help because it doesn't seem like he's that ego guy that a lot of people actually kind of said he was going to be when they, when he first said that he was going to be the starter, it's all about him. He wants to get back to the NFL, blah, blah, blah. But I think the team just buys in around him. And I think they're, they are going to look for um, motivation from a guy like Andrew Harris, who who's been to the last three or four gray cups. And he has that experience of, of what to do deep in the playoffs. And especially with him being healthy, smart for them stashing him the whole year. And he's, he's ready to go. Like, I think he even said like he, he hasn't played as so much this year that he might even play again next year now. So wow. I, I thought, I thought he said that I, there was an interview I heard where he, where, like it's not like a for sure like it was at the beginning of the year when he said it was his last year. I think he's. I think it's a question now. Just and that makes sense because he hasn't had a lot of miles on him this year. He hasn't. He's kind of been a player coach, kind of you know. And then now he's getting activated for the last two meaningful games of the year here. So I don't know if. Uh, long story short, I don't know if that pressure is going to be insurmountable for the Argos. I think. I think they've been built to be able to handle this pressure. Montreal did have a late lead through that fourth fourth quarter. The last time they played Toronto, uh, they had a big drive from the Alouettes, and they're going to need a few of those, like six-minute drives. Yeah, they need to kill the clock. Like, that's the clock is their enemy just as much as the Argos are because – we've seen Chad Kelly can score in a minute. So they yeah, have to take yeah. as much of that clock away as they can. This does look like it's shaping up to be the biggest crowd for an Argos home game in six or seven years. It's going to be a raucous environment. Uh, most of all, I'm just looking forward to that, man. Uh, it's a great setting wait. for football. And 
uh, fans are going to be in for a treat, I think, uh, coming up here uh, on Saturday. One, I think, injury note to watch for the uh, Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Kayon Julian Grant is limited in practice. Uh, I think it would be big if they got him back onto the field for this one. Uh, and Chandler Worthy has been practicing in full for the Alouettes. That is a interesting note. They, they've been having great returns from James Letcher. What are they going to do there? Some interesting decisions to be made by the Alouettes. And uh, let's just remember, if the Argos get the Owls into second and long, the Owls got the Argos right where they want them. <laughs> I, I'm still we'll waiting see. to see that, man. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing, though, if Toronto just pulled it out on them? <laughs> <laughs> that like, would be great, too. I uh, want to see them. I want to see them fake it. Yeah, I want to see them fake it where they it's like a throwback behind the line of scrimmage instead yeah. of forward, and yeah. he makes it look like he's going to do it and then just dumps it over. Like, oh. that would be amazing. <laughs> be, I'd love it. The, you know, the closed practices in uh, in Montreal are probably an interesting place uh, to be. Uh, for the Argos, uh, Adebaboye hasn't practiced. He banged up his knee the last game of the year against uh, Ottawa. It does look like uh, Curly Gittens Jr. isn't practicing. He, he might be missing this game. And Robert Priester uh, hasn't practiced as well. But overall, at this point of the year, the Argos and the Alouettes are, are looking pretty healthy. Now, uh, oh, did you see Winton McManus out to the Toronto Maple Leafs game? <laughs> you have no. to watch it. <laughs> they mic'd him up. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, filming him across the rink. And I don't think he's ever been to a hockey game. He's like, where'd the puck come from? <laughs> it's kind of funny to watch. I'll uh, check it out for sure. It's pure watching uh, Winton McManus out for a hockey game in Toronto. The West Final is a showdown between the Lions and the Bombers. Now, it's hard to put yourself into this mindset. Remember July when the Lions went to Winnipeg? And crushed them. 30-6. to six. Now, BC visited Winnipeg again and lost 50-14 to 14 on the next game. So, <laughs> it, it's what are we going to get from the BC Lions, really? Um, are they going to be able to pressure Zach like they did when they beat him 30-6? to six? Are they going to be able to stop the run? If they can't stop the run, this is rough. I, I saw this stat. Winnipeg gained first downs on rushing plays 165 times this year. BC did it 96 times. BC has the least rushing yards in the CFL. Actually, Winnipeg almost has as many rushing yards more than BC than BC has total. Uh, the Bombers have rushed for over 2,500 yards this year, and uh, Winnipeg or BC has rushed for less than 1,400. That, and it does look like the weather is going to be favorable for both games this weekend. It's not going to be minus 8 and a wind chill of minus 15, so it's going to be a, you know, one of those games. It, it yeah. 
passing is going to be available here, and, and that is BC's bread and butter. If they can't pass the ball, they're, they're in deep trouble. And VA was in a zone in the West semifinal. This is a different animal, though. Going to Winnipeg, the crowd noise is not on your side. And actually, the Bombers have the best pass defense in the CFL. They've given up the least yards at just over 4,100. And uh, VA can feel the pressure a little bit. Is, is he kind of the X factor in this West final, deciding which way it's going to go? I think so for sure. Um, I think there's two two schools of thought when it comes to the quarterbacks in this game. I think Zach might be pissed off that he wasn't the the all-star from the West. Um, and maybe even pissed off that he wasn't the most outstanding player award nominee for his team. I don't know. I don't know if individual awards are really that big to him. But also you have on the other side, Vernon Adams is one game away from taking his team to the Grey Cup, which is what all these doubters said that he would never be able to do. So he is going to have, he's going to be pretty amped up, I think. And so it's going to be whether he can, he can limit himself and not to get too crazy and not to, you know, force those throws where the bad Vernon comes out. I'm just hoping we can get to a point where we can stop talking about that because Vernon is a good quarterback and he's having way more good games than he's having bad games. So I think, I think we can get rid of that now, but that's always in the background just because it's happened a couple times during big games, games that, you know, like the last game that they had against Winnipeg, when the first place is on the line, VA didn't have the greatest game, but I think he has all the tools to be able to have a great game here. It's just the, the thing is, as always, when you're playing Winnipeg, you have to score early, you have to score often, and you have to take the crowd out of it. So those are going to be three very daunting tasks ahead of him. Can BC have the start against Winnipeg that Calgary had against BC? Because <laughs> That's exactly what they need, yeah. That would be, that would be massive. The, the Bombers are first in points for... They're first in points allowed. They're first in rushing yards. They're second in passing yards where BC is first. In the back half of the season, BC is last in penalties against their defense. If they are going to help Winnipeg along the way with those sorts of penalties, they will not win. And BC or Winnipeg is so good at working in second and short, they are on another planet when it comes to converting second downs. 56.8%. That's 6% ahead of second place of the Argos, who are barely above 50%. The Bombers are first in time of possession. They can do the quick strike. But they've got a lot more balance this year with the season that Brady Oliveira has had and the success they've had running the ball. And BC, they've they've had stretches this year, especially the first part of the year, where running on them was not working. (laughs) 
But that's turned around. And uh, teams have been able to have success running the ball on the Lions. Uh, Stopping Brady is easier said than done. It's just, (laughs) it's probably cliche. They, They need to make the exceptional play. And it might be, it might be tough to do because they're dealing with maybe some guys that are going to be missing. Ben Halatic got hurt last week on the Gary Peters interception. He hasn't practiced this week. I think that's a big loss to their defense. So are they going to be able to adjust without him on the defense? That's, that's a big thing. I think Zach comes in. And I, I don't think he's a cold weather guy. I know he's kind of from Ohio, but he's shown that he can struggle in cold weather. So it's going to work in his favor that it's not going to be too bad. Mm-hmm. But can the defense stay disciplined? That That's a big task for Ryan Phillips, I think. Yeah, them staying disciplined and they have to contain Zach. They can't. They can't allow him to be able to run around in that pocket and wait for his receivers to do what they are so amazing at and getting open. Uh, they need to pressure Zach. They need to frustrate Zach because he's shown that he he's also a quarterback who sometimes when he gets frustrated, he just shuts down and and you can't he can't go. But then other times he gets pissed off and it's like he's it's the worst thing you could have done. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's such a Jekyll and Hyde quarterback, but he's just he's just he has been dominant with his protection, right? So that's the thing. You need to disrupt his protection. And Ryan Phillips, I think last game his defense was a lot better than I think we thought after that initial when Bagleton got that that opening drive touchdown, I think everyone was like, oh, here we go again. They only allowed then, field goals, yeah. Yeah, but then after that, they kind of locked it down, and then there was some garbage scoring at the end for Calgary too. But um, I think that's a positive step for them. They saw that they could – because they could limit that explosive – because Calgary has an explosive offense. They do when their receivers catch the ball. Um. So I think they can build on that, and then it also works into BC's advantage that it's not going to be as cold as it it could be because they're used to playing inside their 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 nice dome stadium, right? So, uh, this this game has the potential to be amazing, and I I really hope it, it is. does. I I hope this is that game that we like early in the season when we wanted to see that Toronto Winnipeg game and we thought it was going to be amazing and it turned out to be terrible. I think that this is, this is that game that we're hoping for. I hope. BC's got the, they can do it. Yeah. I, it can turn into a shootout real quick. It could. Like, real quick. I would love to watch that, a 49-42 yeah. game here at uh, IG Field. But uh, it might Andrew be. Andrew Harris, a, me that, man. Andrew <laughs> Harris, me that. It might be 25-22, which uh, it, it all comes down to the last play. And I, I hope yeah. it's within, you know, a score oh, uh, yeah. in this one. Yeah. Although fans in Winnipeg will be like, no, I, I want <laughs> I want them to crush uh, the Lions and the Lions are going to get some help back on the D line. Sione Tehama is uh, back from suspension, 
So he'll be back on the D-line. Can Josh Woods, the linebacker, have another performance like he had last week? Double-digit tackles. That was massive for him. Wednesday's practice in Winnipeg saw Nick Dembski, Rashid Bailey, and Dalton Schoen not there. Now, Dembski and Bailey were working on the side. Dalton Schoen, I think, is probably the one that Maybe he's not going to be playing on Saturday, and that's a big hit to that receiving core for the Bombers. And I know they still got Kenny the King, and look, Dembski and Bailey and Wallatarski, and they, they've still got the guys to make the plays. But Shown not playing would be pretty big, and he he seems to be that guy that can always find. Uh, the open spot in the defense, especially on second down. When when Zach's improvising, looking for a play, it seems like 83 is the one that he finds. So I don't know if they'll be able to find the proper horse tranquilizers to fix that ankle up on Saturday, but that could be a big absence for the, for the Bombers, man. Oh, Aaron Rodgers just got into my head for some reason. <laughs> horse tranquilizer. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I... I think when they said he was injured that it was going to be unlike like it was more likely Grey Cup he'd be back uh just because if they made it that far so yeah I don't think I don't think they're going to get him back but as you said they still have an outstanding receiver yeah. group without him so I'm not sure it really makes that much of a difference The Bombers 9 and 2 inside their division they lost Labor Day against Saskatchewan and early in the season against BC and Winnipeg's 8-1 and one at IG Field in 2023. That one loss came against the Lions back in July. Like, is that what they're going to focus on, BC, all this week? Just look at the film then and see, what did we do so right to uh, hold? Because you remember that time? The, Winnipeg's offense was moving the ball at will. They were doing whatever they wanted against teams. And then all of a sudden, BC held him to six points and shut him out in the second half. That that was a surprise then. And look, Winnipeg doesn't want to allow that to happen again, of course. But Winnipeg or BC has to be looking at what they did right back in the summer. Yeah, they have to. It, it's a combination. They have to. They can't spend too much time on film in the past. I think they they need to see what they did well in that game. They need to see what they did terribly in the other game when Winnipeg throttled them. But I I think when you have these two teams that are like they've matched up so well against each other. I know Winnipeg's got that extra win, but like I I think it's it's more. You just got a game plan for what you do well, regardless of what you do well against or who you do well against, if that makes sense. I think I think you just got to put stock into having a game plan, getting those first 15 plays that you're going to run, going through it, and then hopefully you can get a couple good drives out of it. And it just, I just don't know if spending too much time looking at film is going to really help them. I, I think it's just they they both know what they bring to the table and just bring it hard. Now, it's almost a year ago to the day. Uh, West Final 2022 at IG Field. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers beat the BC Lions 28-20. Of course, that was with an injured Nathan Rourke at the helm for the BC Lions. Also... The Toronto Argonauts beat 
the Montreal Alouettes, 34-27 in the East Final last year. Uh, that was with Trevor Harris for the Owls and McLeod Bethel-Thompson for the Argonauts. So four out of the four same teams, three out of the four different starting quarterbacks. Yeah, and if you can tell me both of these games are going to be one-score games, sign me up because that that keeps your attention, especially when you don't have an actual team that you're rooting for. It's We just want to see good games, right? So uh, if we can... I don't want to be seeing you know third quarter and uh, the game's already over. Like let's let's have some fight, boys. Let's let's entertain. Yeah, the All Stars are going to be on display here, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the defense Toronto Argonauts. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, Chad Kelly, um, Darius Siraco, Ryan Hunter, Dejon Allen. Uh, that's just on the offense. Uh, All Stars for the Argos. Uh, Winton McManus, Adarius Pickett, Robertson Daniel, defense for the Argos, and Javon Leak on special teams. And then if you want to look at other places, well, Dalton Schoen was named an all-star, Brady Oliveira, Keon Hatcher, Austin Mack, uh, Patrick Newfeld, Jamarcus Hardrick, Willie Jefferson, fifth time named a uh, CFL all-star. Uh, who else? Demario Houston, first time all-star for the Bombers. Uh, TJ Lee, second time for the BC Lions. And, uh, hey, Richie Leone of uh, the Red Blacks, also an all-star for the fifth time in his career. So two five-time all-stars here in 2023, one in Willie Jefferson and one in uh, Richie Leone. Okay, now the Bombers are five-point favorites, so the betters are expecting this one to be closer than the East final. Lock in your picks, Sheldon. Is it going to be a rematch of the 109th Grey Cup, or are we going to get something different? I know for sure Toronto is going to beat Montreal in my head and in my heart. I... This other game is is tough. In my head, I think it's Winnipeg. In my heart, it's BC, and I think I'm going heart. So well, BC and Toronto. My heart wants BC Montreal. <laughs> my head says it's it's a rematch, and uh, Winnipeg wants that rematch, and we're gonna get the game we didn't get. Uh, Winnipeg and Toronto. The, the top two teams in the CFL. And I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Although, I'm okay with any game. Like I, yeah, honestly, yeah, like I think every game has the, whatever the way it ends up, every game has like good storylines in it. It has good, good action, good defense, good offense. Like I think you got green day. Come on. Like this gray cup is going to be good. I yeah, think they're already started with the construction and, uh, you know, redoing Tim Horton's field. They get to get an early start on that. Sorry, Ticat fans. Um, but they're they're fixing her up for the Grey Cup happening. Oh, wow. About 10 days from now? You kidding me? Already? Making our way back to the hammer. I will say uh, my wife and I love the restaurant scene in Hamilton. Probably going to have to go back to this burger place that you can get popcorn that's, like, uh, drizzled with bacon fat. <laughs> like, I would never be a skinny person. 
Yeah. That sounds amazing. I don't much care for popcorn, but I still, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Give me popcorn twists. I hate the kernels and the teeth. I just can't stand it. Yeah, that can get quite frustrating. I get it. But, but popcorn twists, they're my jam. <laughs> Are those even popcorn? They taste like it. That's all that matters. <laughs> I, I couldn't I, tell you what they are. <laughs> remember when the white when, and I don't know if they're out right now, but when those those uh those like white cheddar popcorn, but they those made them good. the Lay's the Lay's flavor. Ooh, I but I like those white cheddar popcorns too. Maybe I like popcorn more than I'm letting on because <laughs> I like it at the movie theater too. <laughs> I just hate those kernels in my teeth. Yeah, what, what, I actually broke a tooth with popcorn. Yeah, same. Prompted my uh, return to the dentist. Um, what are you going to be having for snacks? Division final Saturday. Um, I got a Boston pizza gift card. I might have to slam back a Great White North. Nice. Uh, I don't know. Usually, when it comes to that, we we make like a taco dip. Tammy makes a really good taco dip. It's uh, it's delicious, and then. I don't know if you've seen these chips, but they're like Tostitos, but they're like scoops. They're like yeah, thick. Yeah. Those those things are are awesome. So probably that, maybe some some chicken wings, some pizza, maybe, but definitely Diet Coke. <laughs> if I could get a four gallon pail of herb and spice dip, I'd be good for Saturday. <laughs> uh, you're a herb and spice guy. I used okay. to always be dill pickle, but I I recently switched to the herb and spice. Tammy's dill pickle. Um, I I usually am French onion, but I got the jalapeno last time, and it was really good. So yeah, that, that might be good. my new one. Yeah, that might be my new one. Hey, hit not, us up. Not like Kendall with the all-dressed chips, though. I tried that all-dressed chips and dill pickle. I, that sounds weird. It, I tried. It's okay for like a couple, but like not the way you have. So. <laughs> hey, let us know in the comments what you're going to be having for snacks. At the East and West Final. Maybe you'll be in the stands. Let us know who you think is going to win. Uh, I don't know if I officially locked it in, but I'm going Winnipeg-Toronto. Uh, rematch of the 110th Grey Cup. Thanks for listening to another episode of 2 and Out. You can rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and you can also support the show on Patreon. We'll be back this weekend to recap what happened in these games. You will get the audio version Saturday night if you're a patron uh, and a subscriber on there. Otherwise, you'll be waiting until Sunday uh, if you're just a normal subscriber. Uh, and you have to wait with the rest of the people. But thank you for being a part of uh, Two and Out Nation 300,000 strong. That's almost... That's as big as Saskatoon, Sheldon. Yeah, but Saskatoon sucks, so there's that. (laughs) Whoa! I'm from Regina. Come on, man. I like What does Saskatoon have? A couple bridges? Like, come on. A lot of bridges. A Gordie Howe statue. Yeah, so so Seinfeld, (laughs) I don't know if he's been there or not yet, but... I got a great joke for Seinfeld. What's the deal with all these bridges? That's that's how he opened the show, I'm sure. Like, because you don't need that many bridges for a city, okay? <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I love it. We'll talk to you Saturday slash Sunday. Enjoy all the Canadian football across the nation this weekend. Let's go, Argos. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.